Tracy Smothers, Harley Race, Tim Storm, Bushwhacker Luke, Bobby Fulton. The Pro, Pro Wrestling, Wrestling Vault, Vault Volume, Volume 1. One. Bill Dundee, Supermix Hernandez, C.W. Anderson, Ricky Morton, Sir Moe, and many others share their stories of determination, triumph, and, and sorrow. sorrow. Get your book today at Russellville.com or at Amazon.com. Russellville, Wrestling Lance Von Erich find out in his new book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, and Billy Jack Haynes. And of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your book today on Amazon. PWC Podcast. With Rick Del Santo. For all your wrestling reviews, interviews, and news, Rick covers the United Wrestling Network, the NWA, and the Northeast region of the United States Independence. PWC, 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 in the zone. Hello, fans. Herb Simmons with Southern Illinois Championship Wrestling, and you've been listening to the all time, the great Vinnie Berry on the Russellville podcast. You're listening to the Russellville podcast. I'm your host, Vinnie Berry, and my guest today is Herb Simmons from Southern Illinois Championship Wrestling Promotion. And tonight we'll be talking about the St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame. Herb, how are you? Well, thanks again for having me back, uh, Vinny. It's 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 always a pleasure. I enjoy listening to your programs, and uh, if uh, it, you know, our last time it was great, and you know, uh, we briefly talked about that St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame, and uh, we like to say it's uh, one of the most, if not the most, legitimate Hall of Fames that's ever been put together. Yeah, there's. I know there's a couple throughout the the United States. How long has the one in St. Louis been around? Uh, we started this uh, probably 20, 20 years ago. Um, myself, Larry Matasek, and at that time was a couple of other individuals that we had a committee. Uh, but Larry and I uh, come up, uh, you know, said, hey, we got to do something to honor, especially uh, the guys here in the St. Louis area. Because as we talked last time, you know, St. Louis, Missouri was the wrestling hub of uh of uh, of the business and that's just not my words that's anybody you want to talk to uh the ones that are still with us uh, even uh people like rick flair has said that uh harley race used to say it all the time you know you weren't you weren't in the big league until you got to st louis and wrestled for sam Muchnick at the chase park plaza hotel because you know they were all used to wrestling in some of these dive places and things of that sort but when you come to the St. Louis, uh, uh, in the Corsan room, you had this beautiful ballroom with chandeliers. Uh, and I mean, it was where the Queens and Kings used to stay. And, uh, so it, it was, it really made it special for the guys that, that everybody wanted to come here. And that's why Sam attracted all of the greats. And, uh, so Larry and I said, you know, let's, let's do something with a hall of fame. You know, there, there was these other ones out there, uh, but, uh, we don't have a, uh, a chauffeur uh, in our uh, Hall of Fame like uh, some of them do. Uh, got a couple of movie stars, uh, you know, uh, Terry Funk. You know, he starred in several different movies, but uh, we didn't put him in there because of that. We put him in there because he was one tough SOB. 
Oh, yes, he was. Yes. In fact, he probably still is to this day when I talk to him on the phone. We talk about it. He was so honored to when we inducted him into the Hall of Fame. He was uh, really uh, excited about it. He loved St. Louis. Well, that's one wrestler that I would not tangle with, you know, no matter no matter how old he is. Right. I mean, yeah, I'm sure he still has some fight in him. Oh, yeah. So we, uh, you know, we, we wanted to come up with a way, a good friend of ours. In fact, a gentleman, it still does refereeing for me for Southern Illinois championship wrestling. Uh, Nick Redner is his name, uh, uh, owns a, uh, uh, t-shirt, uh, manufacturing, you know, does printing and stuff like that. And, uh, he, he helped us get it going and said, you know, Hey, uh, our, our first three inductees that we had back then, or I think it was the first seven, we allowed the fans to vote on who they wanted to see in there, you know, and, uh, but I'll tell you after the first seven, uh, and dealing with the fans, it got to be more of a job and, you know, um, and so after that, um, I had told you last time when I was on, I have this, uh, records of all the, uh, wrestlers that wrestled in St. Louis, either on television at the chase or at the kill auditorium or at the checker dome, when they would have a couple of shows there a year because it was such a bigger venue. But uh, what we started doing then is just basing our inductions on win-loss records and, uh, you know, who was putting the the butts in the seats, as Sam used to say. And uh, we're up to about, I think, uh, 44 inductees into that Hall of Fame. And we're pretty well close to going to be cutting it off because, Sooner or later, it gets watered, you know, they, and I think that's one of the problems, uh, you know, they get watered down with them. And before you know it, uh, you got somebody in there. Yeah, they were a worker, but uh, did they ever main event? You know, did they uh, have the draw power? But uh, this, uh, this last year, we try to do that uh, every May when we have our Bruiser Brody Memorial. This uh, last uh, May, we inducted a female, uh, Joyce Grable who was a female that was in St. Louis uh, quite a bit over her career and uh, had some great matches uh, in there. So we, we felt like, uh, and she's still with us, has had some health issues. So we wanted to get her uh, in and she was able to make the trip in for us and uh, had a nice ceremony for her. But, but when, you know, some of the names that I, I tell you that's in there, you'll say, wow, that is definitely a hall of fame. Uh, it's just not, you know, your average, Joe in the business. Yeah, I would I would like you to kind of share some of the names. I went over the list myself and I saw that David, Kevin, and Kerry Von Eric were in there. Is is Fritz in there as well? Yes, Fritz is Fritz was in there first. And uh, you know, a little trivia question. Uh Kevin Von Eric, you know, is, is still with us. You know, his brothers and the family is all gone. But uh Kevin lives in Hawaii and uh question is where was Kevin Von Eric born at? Uh, if you ever use that as a trivia question and, uh, do you know where he was born at? Well, I'm going to guess St. Louis. Okay. You know, you're the first one that said that usually when I ask that question, everybody says, Oh, he's from Dallas, Texas, you know? Well, no, he is actually born in Belleville, Illinois, uh, where I used to run wrestling shows, uh, all the time. He was born at St. Louis hospital. And, uh, so, uh, but you know, yeah, we ended up putting the boys in and, uh, but, you know, uh, we said from the get go, uh, and it was when we were letting the fans pick right away, they, you know, they picked Sam Muchnick, of course, 
without sand, there was no St. Louis wrestling. Uh, that's just plain simple. I'll argue that till the last breath goes out of my body because he was the man. Sam was the man. And, uh, but, you know, people like him, uh, of course, Larry Matisek, one of the greatest uh, announcers, play by play or ring announcers. Uh, I tell people all the time, you could have a vision impairment. And uh, he made you feel like you were sitting right there inside the ring, uh, the way he called the action. I'm not sure if you ever was able to catch any of his play by play, but my gosh, when he told you there was a Downybrook going on, it was a Downybrook. <laughs> you know, it was Bruiser Brody uh, chasing uh, Ted DiBiase around the ring or Dick the Bruiser chasing Ric Flair around the ring and throwing him into the press table. And uh, Larry really made you feel like you were right there. But then a guy like Fritz von Erich is in there, you know, uh, uh, Master of the Iron Claw. People like Luthez, Pat O'Connor, Harley Race, uh, Dory and Terry Funk. Uh, Jack and Jerry Briscoe was in there, uh, Johnny Valentine, you know, uh, Baron Von Roschke. Uh, and, and these are guys that, like I said, we went back and looked at their win-loss records, uh, you know, what type of attendance they were drawing. And, uh, you know, that's that was how we kind of set the stage from there after those first seven was inducted in there. And uh, right now we've actually made the – the Hall of Fame, it's a, a portable Hall of Fame where we can haul it around to any of the shows that we want to. And like uh, I told you last time, we were a big part of the Wrestling at the Chase latest book that came out that uh, Mr. Ed Wheatley, the author, had written. And we've been doing some book signings with that. And uh, and then we did the uh, uh, PBS film that just was released about uh, three weeks ago on uh, PBS 9. And... Um, we had the portable hall of fame set up there. We take it and set it up with the plaques on it. And people are just amazed. They get their picture taken in front of it. And, uh, everybody's got a story, uh, wrestling at the chase was such a household name in St. Louis. All you have to do is mention, uh, uh, those four, uh, words wrestling at the chase. And everybody has a story about their grandmother or about their parents, uh, how they used to beat on the arm of the chair and, so, uh, and that's to this day. And, you know, it started on television in 1959 and uh, was on until 1983. Well, I interviewed Jeremiah Plunkett uh, about a year ago. And huh. last year he had the opportunity to wrestle at the chase. And, you know, he was just like, wow. You know, I mean, uh, he was you know, I guess the way that he put it was he was wrestling on holy ground. You know, it's. Yeah, I was there that you're talking about the NWA 73. And uh, we were asked by Mr. Horgan to be there because the book was, uh, you know, we had the book there with us, the new book. And uh, so we were part of that. And uh, and like I said, plus I have uh, the videos from the old wrestling at the Chase days, uh, the TV tapes and uh, some of the young guys, Trevor Murdoch. Uh, who is a friend of ours. In fact, after he won that NWA title that uh, night, he came back a few months later and actually defended that NWA title against one of my guys uh, at a show in St. Louis. Uh, that was his first NWA title defense. So I'm kind of honored to have that done working with the NWA, uh, especially with everything we've done over the last soon to be 50 years. But uh, Trevor and now Trevor's won that title back again, and they're coming back to St. Louis uh, in August of this year and for NWA 74. Uh, hopefully it, uh, it goes okay for him. But, 
you know, the wrestling at the chase as we knew it and grew up with it, uh, as I told uh, Mr. Corrigan, uh, who owns the National Wrestling Alliance now, you have to know what the NWA meant in order to build on it. If not, you just have three letters. I know what built SICW, Southern Law Championship Wrestling. And that was a lot of hard work. That was a lot of knowing who to have, who to get help from. Uh, and SICW wouldn't have been around as long as it has been now had I had not met Sam Muchnick and Larry Matisek and Bruiser Brody and the list of a bunch of these other guys that's worked for me and told me about the business, uh, how the business uh, all come about and how it, it, it sustained the ups and downs of professional wrestling. And uh, so some of them young guys that were there last year in this NWA 73, yeah, you could see they were starstruck. They were on holy ground. They were there where Harley Race was, Rip Hawk, uh, Farmer Marlin, people like that that wrestled inside of that Coruscant room. Uh, Luthez, Pat O'Connor, you know. Uh, so I would have I would have been starstruck if I was there too. I, I go to functions there periodically. And uh, every function I've ever been there at that Coruscant room, I don't care what type of function it is, political, fundraiser, what it may be, the conversation always comes up. Man, if these walls could only talk, could you imagine Dick the Bruiser in here uh, pouring a beer over his head? That was his moniker, you know, back then. Or Fritz von Erich running around the ring, putting a claw on somebody. Uh, religiously, it happens all the time. Yeah, there's The conversation comes up about wrestling in that course in room because it was so popular. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Harley Harley Race's name's got to come up in there and Pat O'Connor's name's got to come up there. And of course, you know, Sam and, and Larry and Bruiser Brody. And so, you know, it is a very special place. And also, too, you know, you had said that uh, you have to know what the NWA means to St. Louis. Tell us what what it means to St. Louis. Well, you know, the National Wrestling Alliance, not only the St. Louis, but National Wrestling Alliance was the organization that there was the glue that held the business together. But it was because of Sam. Uh, like I said earlier and on our first uh, episode that I did with you, Sam was the man. Sam was the peacekeeper. Sam was the man that ruled with the iron fist. On the other hand, he was honest. His integrity was impeccable. If, if Sam spoke, people were listening. And that's because his number one concern was we have to make sure the fans are getting their money's worth. And the analogy that I always use was Sam was the type of guy that if you if you take that cake or that pie and you, everybody had a piece of that pie. And if there was however many territories were involved in the NWA back then, which was quite a few, everybody got equal shares of that pie. And then whatever was left of that pie they got equal shares of that also. So everybody was being treated equally. And that's what Sam wanted to do. Now, like I said, Sam, Sam was no pushover. I mean, uh, he, uh, he was, uh, he's the guy that said, no, we're either going to have to, unless somebody could argue with him and say, no, we got to do it this way. You know, uh, he had a lot of good friends, uh, Paul Bosch, which good friends with Sam, uh, with his organization, the Blanchards, uh, people like that. Uh, but then when there would be one of them would try to say, well, we want this or we want more of that, Sam would know how to politically stop that. And he did a good job at it for all those years. So when you talk about the NWA, 
first thing that comes to people's mind is Sam Muchnick, because for over 41 years, he held that president title a couple of different times. And, uh, and I think that, uh, as, as, I, I think what Mr. Corgan's doing now with the NWO is great. You know, he, he's trying to get it going. He's trying to get it back together. But you have to be able to know that that NWA stood for something more than just those three letters. It stood for professionalism. It stood for, and, and you're never going to, people always ask me, well, when are you going to go back to wrestling at the chase? Why can't we have that again? Well, first of all, there is no Bruiser Brody. There is no Dick the Bruiser. There is none of those guys who can go back there and give us what we saw back in those 60, 70, and 80 days that we mostly remember. It's not going to happen. But what we need now is, and I think that's what Mr. Corgan's trying to do, is he's trying to mold those guys, but he's got guys that are trying to mold them that don't know about the NWA and how to do that. And, uh, and I'm not saying I know it all, but I got a pretty good idea of what, the NWA men after all these years and what the fans want to see, because even the fans that are watching the WWE now and the AEWs and all these other alphabet names out there, wrestling has not changed one bit, not one bit, you know, an arm drag back in the 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, all the way up to now has always been an arm drag or a headlock has always been the same. What's really happened to our business nowadays is that one little word I said is ego, is people have let that get in their way. Uh, Vince has tried to make it into something that, that, and it's been very successful for him. I got to give him credit with all of that. Uh, but it's not the wrestling that I grew up on, and a lot of the wrestler, uh, the wrestling fans out there now will tell you uh, that's why ratings are down. You know, our little promotions that we do, you know, I've got a little, TV stuff we do. We got our own Roku channel. We got Facebook channel. We do. Uh, we got uh, a YouTube channel. Uh, we just uh, I signed a deal with the Troptons uh, Television Network. Uh, we started two weeks ago on there. That uh, I think they're in forty-eight different states now, and they're going to be playing uh, about six different wrestling groups across the country on the uh, televisions and the airports and stuff like that on Saturdays and. Uh, so uh, we're happy with what we're doing. We're not trying to compete with anybody. We're just trying to give the fans a good product. We do our old school TV tapings. We tape uh, on a Sunday afternoon, one time a month, and we tape four shows, and those are shows for the next four weeks. That's old school wrestling. Uh, and then we do a house show. So those four shows that we tape leads us up to our house show. And uh, that's where the fans get to come and see the, the, the finale, as we say. I wanted to, since you brought up the, the, the book, The Wrestling at the Chase, tell us a little bit about that and, and what it contains and, and what would somebody find out if they picked that up? Well, let's, let's talk real quick. I, I told you on our first episode, the, uh, there was two books written on wrestling at the chase. Larry Matasek uh, wrote the first one along with four other books. I think he wrote, he wrote the book on Bruiser Brody with Brody's wife, uh, uh, which, is, which is a great book. And then he wrote the greatest 50 books of all uh, wrestlers of all time. But the wrestling at the chase book that he wrote was more of his personal experience of what the wrestling was, because he actually worked for Vince McMahon for 10 years uh, after Vince came into St. Louis and basically took the TV away from him after the uh, 
NWA as we do here kind of splintered apart. Harley Race and Bob Geigel and Pat O'Connor kind of took over when Sam retired. And Larry said, I'm going to start my own promotion. So he did. And then Vince come in, took the TVs over, and then that's how WWWF got to St. Louis. But so Larry had Larry had the uh, best of both worlds. He worked for the greatest, Sam Muchnick, and then he come along and he worked for Vince for 10 years. And uh, I can tell you he didn't like it a day that he worked for Vince. But they paid him good. It's kind of like we'd sooner have him on the inside mad as opposed to on the outside being mad. And uh, so, uh, and then, of course, that's when him and I are doing our shows and uh, we're, we're, we're working that, that way. That book was more about Larry's personal dealings with Sam, the business, and the people who was big in St. Louis and did it. Here recently, over the last two years, a gentleman uh, named Ed Wheatley, the author and uh, film producer of the Head Over Heels Wrestling at the Chase documentary, his publisher had contacted me and said, hey, would you be interested in helping uh, our writer with another Wrestling at the Chase book? And at first I said no, because it had already been done. They said, well, will you at least talk to our author? And I said, yeah. So he came over and he's written a lot of St. Louis Brown baseball books. Uh, he's he's the head of the St. Louis Browns fan club, and as soon as he walked into the meeting I had with him, and he showed me these and they're what they call coffee table books, just loaded full of pictures of baseball memorabilia, baseball players, the the the, the best paper that you could buy in these books, a hardbound book. So that impressed me right away. And the more I talked to Ed, the more I could sense his. Um, uh, wanting to do this wrestling at the chase book. And so him and I, uh, talked, I had three different meetings together and he convinced me that this would be great for what I'm doing still locally and to keep the wrestling at the chase, uh, name alive. And so we went to, he went to work on it and I helped him out to probably 75 to 80% of the stuff in the book is what I provided him. A lot of the pictures, um, I still got a medallion that I carry a keychain uh, on one side. It's got the TV channel, uh, KPLR TV channel 11. And then on the other side of it is wrestling at the chase. And it was a, uh, a keychain that Sam gave way back then that allowed you to bring in your guests with you. Uh, if you had that, it was a VIP, VIP oh, thing. So and that's in the book, but a lot of the pictures are in there. The, uh, the, uh, I don't know if you've, have you seen the book personally yourself? Uh, I have not. It's got a picture of Dick the Bruiser and uh, Bruiser Brody on it. And of course, a lot of people said, well, why did they put uh, Bruiser Brody and Dick the Bruiser on there? Why didn't they put Pat O'Connor or Lupez? You know, what Ed was wanting to do is to show the difference of the era. You know, uh, at one time there was three bruisers that wrestled in St. Louis. You had Dick the Bruiser, you had Bruiser Brody, and you had Bruiser Bob Sweetan. And Sam, and there's all kinds of stories about that. Oh, they wrestled. And uh, that's why Bruiser Brody became King Kong Brody in St. Louis. No, the true story was Sam didn't want to have that many bruisers names on the marquees. So that's how Sam, that's how uh, Bruiser Brody became King Kong Brody in St. Louis. And, interesting. Uh, but if you look in the, the book, it's just full of, couple of hundred photos, two, 300 photos of wrestlers. And not only 
does he tell that story, but he tells what else was going on in the St. Louis area back then. Everybody remembers the Three Stooges. He talks about the Captain Eleven showboat that they used to be a part of in St. Louis. Talked about the uh, Sliman Brothers and the uh, Steve Miserani uh, uh, appliance centers that was the sponsors. Steve Miserani used to have Bruiser Brody do uh, TV commercials uh, for him for his appliance store. So here you got this big burly Bruiser Brody guy and, and Steve Miserani, the owner of the appliance store, was a roller skater, a professional roller skater. He's rolling down the aisle of the store and Bruiser Brody's whooping him up in his arms and putting him up on a washer and dryer. And ah, you get your best deals with the decent guys, you know, and uh, so it was things like that he talks about in the book. Um, you know, there's some trivia questions in there, you know, uh, uh you know, what, uh, who had the bulldog and headlock, uh, you know, who used the iron claw, you know, so we made it fun and so much fun that, well, like I said, just here last three weeks, they, the documentary was released, uh, on, it's called head over heels, wrestling story of wrestling at the chase. Uh, in fact, what's I find real ironic, they just sent me information yesterday that, on July twelfth uh, and thirteenth, they had a at the wrestling at the at the Chase Park Plaza. They have a cinema in there now, and they're going to be showing that PBS Channel Nine there and where wrestling started back in nineteen fifty nine on TV. Wow! So, yeah, but but the book is full of. I, I encourage anybody to pick up the book because if you're really a wrestling fan and if you want to know about the NWA, about Sam Muchnick. You know, he talks about the, the World Fair in 1904 took place at Forest Park, which was right across the street from where the Chase Park Plaza Hotel was. And that's where wrestling uh, was at the World Fair in 1904. He t- tells that story. Wow. Talks about how the wrestling is even mentioned in the Bible. He talks about that in the book, you know, goes way, way back, you know. So it's a great book. Uh, a lot if you're if you're uh, a person who likes to see a lot of pictures. This book is what you need to get. Where where can you get that book? Where is it available? Uh, on Amazon.com. Uh, in, uh, here, you know, all the in the Midwest, all the local bookstores has been carrying it. I've even seen it at some of the local grocery stores in their in their book sections. You know, uh, it's a, it's it's really been popular, and uh, and now that the film has came out, it's really just gave it a little another uh, little ignition. Oh, very good. And circling back to the St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame, I'm sure there's a lot of remembrance of the chase in that, oh, that yeah. institution yeah. as well. Yeah, the uh, the like I said, we've right now we we had it displayed at a uh, place uh, in St. Louis for many years uh, at the, called the South Broadway Athletic Club. That was another uh, uh, institution that I was a part of for 40 years with my late great friend. Uh, uh, Tony Costa, we call him Little Dynamite. He was my junior heavyweight champion for many years. He passed away, and then after that, things kind of fell apart over there. Uh, so we removed the hall. We had all the plaques was displayed there on their back wall, and uh, people were actually stopping in there. You know, people coming from out of town would stop and go in there and, and look at it. And so we've removed it uh, from there, and like I said, now we've got it on a, it's on a portable type uh, setup that we can put together real quick when we go out to these book signings or if we have a wrestling match and somebody says, hey, why don't you bring a portable uh, Hall of Fame along for advertisement? And we do that. Like I said, our good friend Nick Redden, our uh, senior referee, uh, is in charge of that. 
uh, we'll have it on display uh, in uh, July at the St. Louis uh, Wrestling Museum. We're doing a uh, book signing there. Uh, and then in August, we're in Washington, Missouri at a library doing a book signing. You're going to have a live wrestling match there outside. And then uh, we'll have the Portable Hall of Fame there set up. So uh, people can come. And, and like I said, we got plaques of all these guys that's been inducted. And then if they're uh, still with us, then, you know, we always have a, a where they come in and accept their award. And uh, if not, we have, you know, a family member that comes in and represents them. And uh, so it, it's been nice. Uh, uh, I've had people from New Jersey call me and talk to me about it. Uh, that's got the Hall of Fame up there uh, when it was down in uh, Kansas. Uh, the, they always wanted us to send it down there, but now that's kind of folded up there. And we're going we're gonna to keep right here in the Midwest, I think, where it belongs. But it is a, a traveling. Yeah, we right? can, we can, yeah, yeah. You know, eventually we want to put it, you know, I tell my wife, I tell my wife, I have such a collection of memorabilia uh, from tapes to pictures to programs. I got every program, the wrestling programs that you used to get when you went to the wrestling matches. You know, I've got every one of them that Sam ever uh, produced uh, dating. The oldest one I got goes back to 1934. And uh, I tell my wife that the good large willing uh, i'd like to have me a little building one day and have a little museum myself and and that's where the hall of fame would be uh permanently at with a lot of my other memorabilia that i have like i said i've got uh, i got the tapes i got the results uh i've got magazines uh, it would be enough for people to want to come by and spend the afternoon and just look at all of the history and and plus, you know, I'm still doing uh, shows every month. We do uh, live wrestling shows uh, for nonprofit organizations. Uh, um, we've we've been doing that, helping the law enforcement, firefighters, J.C. Hall uh, organizations, uh, veterans of foreign affairs. Over the pandemic, a lot of those that we did, you know, they couldn't have them. So now everybody's catching up. Like the month of September, I got five shows in one month, and uh, so it's a uh, we're trying to play catch up, but, uh, but I've been doing that for years. I mean, we had a, a fire chief locally that got diagnosed with uh, throat cancer and we raised him $40,000 at one wrestling show. So um, it uh, went for a good cause. So we like doing that. And of course, you know, we had uh, a lot of the legends in on that one. And, uh, you know, last October we had the Rock and Roll Express and we had Haku. Uh, we had uh, Baron Von Roschke, Sergeant Slaughter, Cowboy Bob Orton Jr., uh, Jimmy Hart, the Mouth of the South, Jerry the King Lawler. So just some of the names that, that come in. And then in September, I've got Sergeant Slaughter, Jerry Lawler again, uh, Jimmy Hart, Bob Orton on a card. So we, we believe in keeping old school wrestling alive at uh, SICW. As much as wrestling is... I guess evolved or sometimes it, it looks different from what I grew up to. It is very nice to know that old school wrestling is still alive. You know, I have these younger uh, promotions, I'll say that and, and nothing personally against them, but they're, they're young. They don't res They don't understand what old school meant. All they all they want to do now is go out there and get their five minutes of fame and, and they don't worry about the next show. I mean, we're booking shows into March of next year already. And then a good promotion and a good booker 
um, we book backwards. And that's what Sam taught me. So some of your listeners may say, well, what, what, what's that crazy old timer talking about booking backwards? Well, I know where I want to be six months to a year from now. I want to know who I got, what I got, what position they're going to be in. So if I know where I want to get, now all I got to do is figure out how to get there. And so I start booking backwards, booking my shows backwards. And it worked back then and it still works now, but there's not uh, too many of the younger promotions out there that would even have any idea how to do that. I'm fortunate because I learned from the best. Right. Right. Well, when I was talking to David Manning, you know, he, he was telling me that, you know, they had, you know, they had television written for nine months. Sure. You know, and it's like nine months. I mean, I'm thinking when he's telling me this, but you know, that was, that was, I would expect a Dave Manning to know that because he was so involved with the uh, Fritz's organization. And uh, so, and that's basically what I'm talking about. They know where they want to be in nine months or move backwards. And, uh, and it, 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 the only problem with that, you got to have a plan B yeah. because in this business, things happen. Uh, people, even though back in the day, the injuries are nowhere near of what we're seeing now in this younger generation. And it's because they weren't trying all the crazy stuff back then. And back then, if a guy got hurt, as I said, on our last episode, he knew he had to work in order to get paid. So if he tore a muscle, by gosh, you weren't keeping him out of that ring. You know, uh, nowadays, if some of these guys uh, tear their fingernail or toenail off, uh, oh, I can't make it. I can't do this. So it's, it's a lot different. Uh, and I, I think that's what's wrong with the business nowadays is that the younger generation don't understand what the wrestling meant back then. And, uh, and again, it's, it, I'm not knocking them. It's they get to do what they want to do, but that's why at, at SICW we do it old school way. Uh, the booking is old school. I have a booker that books the matches, uh, and uh, you know we we all all have fun doing it, and and it shows because the fans continue to come out, and um, and and that's what we want. Without fans, you know. Uh, you can have a couple guys in the ring wrestling and some organizations do that. They're out there in front of 30, 40 people. Uh, and most of them are their family and friends and which is okay. I'm a, I'm happy for them. And, you know, they got to learn some way, but if they really are truly chasing the dream, but that's what they're doing. They're chasing a dream. They need to get into a training school. Um, you know, Harley race had one for many years, trained a lot of guys. A couple of his guys work for me to this day. Uh, Cowboy Bob Orton runs our Ace Wrestling Academy. You know, uh, Manny Fernandez, that's another name uh, I'm sure you're aware of. He's got a, a school he's doing. And all over the country, there's wrestling schools, but there's good ones and then there's some that aren't so good. And it's real easy to find out. You know, you you tell me that somebody calls and says, hey, I'd like to be on some of your cards. And one of the first things I say, how long have you been working? Oh, I've been working three, four years. Well, who trained you? Well, I didn't really, you know, my brother and I or my friends, though, we used to get out in the backyard and wrestle around or we wrestle in the basement, you know, nothing against the mother. And I don't I don't want to take that liability. Uh, and I tell them, you know, here's a couple of schools you need to go to if you're really wanting to do this. And uh, and it, you'll know who they are. If, if they come in and say, hey, I've been down to Dory Funk Jr.'s uh, Funk Conservatory. 
I want you because <laughs> I know Dory is and Marty. Uh, what Dory don't teach him, Marty will. Right. <laughs> I don't Absolutely. Know if you know, don't know if you know Marty Funk or not. I've had a conversation with her and uh, yeah, she's straight yeah. shooter. <laughs> oh, well, and that's what I'm saying. Or back in the day when somebody would say, oh, I was at Harley Racer School. How soon can you be here? <laughs> because, you know, they're they've been taught the basics. They've been taught how to uh, be safe in there. And um, and that, that that's those are the type of people you want. And, and some people can't afford to do that. Well, then then maybe you need to start looking at your priorities um, because, you know, one of the things that, that concerns me is somebody says, I want to be a wrestler. I work my day job. I work five days a week, but I want to wrestle on the weekend. Well, guess what? If you're not trained properly and you get out there on a weekend and get hurt, then all of a sudden you don't get to go to work Monday through Friday. And then all of a sudden your bills keep piling up. So you got to have your priorities in line or you got to have the resources to cover that. I have a story for you, Herb. I just recently interviewed uh, the Beer City Bruiser and he told me that he was talking to his friend and he said, hey, I got this opportunity to uh, near Harley Race's school to be trained under him. And he was his friend was like, do we really need to be talking about this? You know, he was like, look, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I think, you know, the answer. Oh, yeah. And he yeah. moved. Yeah, I was with uh, him up uh, in Oskaloska, Iowa here just uh, uh, earlier this year. And then he moved. Um, yes, he did. So we've been talking the last a couple of weeks. I want to get him in. and uh, But uh, yeah, he was one of Harley's guys. Hey, is he a super nice guy or what? Oh my gosh, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy him. I mean, I'll tell you, he. And I want to get him, I want to get him in. I think he's living in uh, the Carolinas now, maybe yeah. or somewhere. Yes. Yeah. But uh, when we talked, because he just he was in the process of moving when we were up there, and back the night we were up there, Austin Bayless, the promoter up there, a friend of ours, and uh, I took uh, Cowboy Bob Orton up there, and another good friend of mine, Haku. Uh, was on that card that night and uh, so we made the trip up there and there was a tornado uh, the show didn't start for like an hour later they moved everybody across the street in the basement of a church and the beer city bruiser and i and a few other ones uh, like dummies we stayed there in the back room you know in a metal building up on a hill <laughs> so i don't know if we'd be doing that again but uh but no you, you, you really love him when you got him on well herb again another wonderful conversation i think i could have you on another 20 times and and have 20 different conversations you know and uh it's been a pleasure i i mean i could talk to you all night but i know that we both have stuff on the calendar for the next day so i'm gonna say thank you very much i really appreciate the invite back and uh, like i said anytime i can uh, fill in for you or whatever uh like you said we could talk and talk and talk forever because uh a lot of stories out there and uh, i know your listeners because you got a good listening audience and hopefully they enjoy it well well herb i am going to take you up on that and so <laughs> i will i will definitely be be in touch with you so uh thank Great. you again and it's been a pleasure talking wrestling with you fine thank you take care you're listening to the russellville podcast where wrestling lives Ring the bell radio.
Listen to J.D., Barris, and Logan talk about wrestling news, reviews, in-depth conversations, and interviews. The podcast that we want to hear, and you will to ring the bell radio. We call it in the ring. Have you ever wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his new book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, and Billy Jack Haynes. And of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your book today on Amazon. Amazon.